0: Uncommon Commons is a horror anthology podcast written and recorded by George Plank and Alex Vitale. Content warnings can be found in the episode description.
1: Today's stories are For Them, written by George Plank, and Heartbeat, written by Alex Vitale. Hello. Is there someone else there? Finally. Oh my
0: goodness! What is this I place? So big, and here.
1: it doesn't appear to be. Oh, I'm sorry. Please. No, 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 no. It's entirely my fault. Go on. Please, I insist. Well, if you insist, I'm relieved to see another person here. I thought I was the only one. Do you think there are any others?
0: I don't think so. I've been all around this place, and I haven't seen anyone. Almost all the doors were unlocked.
1: So, it's just us. We should probably get out of here.
0: You haven't seen, then? Seen what? Look out the window.
1: Huh. It's all... White. Yeah. Does that mean...
0: First thing I tried. There's nothing out there. Even if you try to leave, you can't see past the nothing that isn't there.
1: Did you hear that? Sounds like it came from the mailbox? Let's find a place to sit down.
0: This is the only common area that i found. It's a bit barren, but it's as good a place as any.
1: So, neither of us know how we got here. We don't know where we are, except that it's an empty apartment building. And we've both received stories in the mail with a note telling us to read them.
0: Yeah, sounds about right. Well,
1: it's not like we're going anywhere. Do you? No. No, please, you go first. Are you sure? Very. All right. Even as a child, Tim never had what would have been called a perfect memory. He would always be forgetting important dates. If he had homework, it would be a miracle if he would remember to do it. And even when he did, there would be a good chance that he wouldn't remember to take it with him to school the next day. These problems stuck with him through most of his life. In his teens, he accidentally stood up many of his dates because he would simply forgot that he had made plans at all. By the time he was an adult, he would be constantly buying new planners and space savers simply because he had forgotten that he had bought one already. And he would throw them out after a year because he would forget to use them. The only one that had anything written in it was the one he kept at his desk at work because it's the only one he would see every day. So when he arrived at his desk on June 23rd at approximately 9.23 a.m., he was late because he had forgotten to set his alarm clock the night before. It would surprise no one, at least of all Tim, that he had overlooked the reminder that today was Kevin in accounting's birthday. There was nothing Tim could do for most of the day except twitch his leg and repeat the date to himself over and over again to remind himself so he wouldn't forget. As soon as his lunch break came, he ran out of the building to the nearest corner store. He returned to the office complex with a $20 gift card to a music streaming service and a collection of assorted candies. He made his way to the accounting department with his tail between his legs, he sheepishly made his way over to Kevin's desk. Kevin was in the middle of a conversation with another accountant. He chuckled before noticed Tim walking up. "Hey, Tim, what you got there?" Kevin gestured to the increasingly difficult to hold pile of things in Tim's hands. "Hey, Kevin, sorry, it's not much. I, I had completely forgotten." Kevin's face twisted into a confused half smile. "What's all this for?" "Your birthday." Tim dropped everything on Kevin's desk and pulled out his spare planner. I made a note. I'm pretty sure it's today. Kevin's face cocked a little to the side, and he gave Tim a sort of half-smile. Don't be silly. My birthday isn't until... His voice trailed off, as he seemed to recoil into his own mind. There were a few moments of very uncomfortable silence before Kevin turned to the other accountant he had been talking to. Kira... When's my birthday? When she couldn't provide an answer, he turned back to Tim, who was still flipping wildly through his planner. When's my birthday? He grabbed Tim's lapels and started shouting, When's my birthday? Tim broke away from his co-worker's grasp and ran back to his department. As he escaped down the hall, he could still hear the shouts of confusion coming from the accounting department. Tim kept his head down for the rest of the day. The last thing he wanted to do was to make more of a scene, but... As the day went on, he thought more and more about what had happened. He had been sure that he had written the right date in his planner, but mistakes had happened before. As his remaining hours at work started to slip away, he convinced himself that it was his fault and that he had made a mistake somewhere down the line. At five, he got up from his desk and made his way down to the accounting department. Kevin was still at his desk, typing away at his computer. This time... He didn't even notice Tim until he cleared his throat. Oh, hey, can I help you with something? Hey, Kevin, I'm sorry about earlier. Oh? Did something happen earlier? There was no hint of irony or sarcasm in Kevin's voice. His head tilted slightly to one side. He looked confused and maybe a little worried. Um, never mind. Tim decided that it would be better to get out now while he still had the chance. I'll see you tomorrow. (laughs) Sure thing. Tim walked away, even more confused than ever. Was there spite in that last comment, or was he imagining things? Could he really have been the same guy who had throttled him in anger earlier today? When Tim arrived to work the next day, he was exhausted. He was usually a forgetful person, but the events of the day before still stuck with him. He was only able to get any sleep after he took a shot from a bottle of cold medicine he had bought when he got the sniffles in autumn, but completely forgot to take any more than the original cap he took then. The first time that Tim gave it at all a second thought was around 10 in the morning. He had forgotten his water bottle at home and decided that going to the water fountain was better than having a slightly dry mouth until lunch. He grabbed one of the paper cones that the company provided, Leaning against the fountain seemed like a better use of time than actually doing his job. So, for the next few minutes, Tim decided that he would do just that. After a few minutes, Tina decided she would join him. Tina wasn't exactly the prime source of gossip in the office, but she was usually good for a few minutes of conversation. Hey! Hey! Working hard or hardly working? <laughs> good one. Usually. Usually. Tim remembered that she had recommended a show to him a couple weeks ago, and while he never remembered to catch it while it was on, he absolutely remembered that she was raving about it the last time they had talked. So, have you seen the new episode of that show yet? What show? The show you were going on about before. Tim hoped that if he used larger hand motions, she would catch on to what he was saying. The one with the actor from your favorite movie. At least, I think so. You said it was your favorite before. Tina blinked a few times in silence. Her mouth opened a bit before she opened the contents of her paper cone onto the carpeted floor of the office. She started mouthing something to herself over and over again. Over time it grew louder and louder. What is it? What is it? My my favorite movie? My favorite movie? What's my favorite movie? What's my favorite movie? It wasn't long before her mumbling turned into full on screaming. She dropped to her knees and she clutched her head. What is my favorite movie? What would be a simple bit of trivia normally echoed around the room as a desperate, pained cry for help, for identification. Tim looked around the room for someone to help, for anyone that even took notice of what was happening, but no one did. Everyone else's eyes were glued to their computers, typing away, deaf to the cries of pain from the woman who had lost a part of herself. And then, without cause or warning, the screaming stopped. Tina stood up, filled her empty cone, took a drink, and said, Good one, and went back to her cubicle. Tim stayed at the water fountain for a little longer than he probably should have, but Unlike his co-workers, he couldn't bring himself to move on and forget what just happened. So, he waited. Others would come to the fountain and he would quiz them on whatever he could remember from their lives. Favorite colors, names of pets, family members, what they had for lunch yesterday. Whatever he could recall, he would ask. The reactions varied from feigned ignorance to complete breakdowns. Some people claimed they couldn't remember their own mother's face. while... Others didn't seem to know their own name. In the end, their actions were all the same. They would fill up their water and then go back to their cubicles to work at their computers. Over the next few days, their memories seemed to get worse and worse. After a week, Tim noticed that he was the only person still getting lunch or even taking a lunch break. If he reminded someone, they would just say, ''Oh, must have slipped my mind,'' and they would immediately go back to work. Soon, they would forget to leave work altogether.'' Five would roll around, and Tim would be the only one to get up and leave. He hung around in his car for hours afterwards, and he was the only one to enter or exit the building. Everyone from the mailroom to the boardroom seemed to take residence inside the office. Once, when he worked up the nerve, he went back into the office at 10 p.m. at night, just to see. When he entered, he saw them all there, just sitting at their computers, typing away. He loudly announced that he had forgotten his keys, and they paid him no mind. Days turned to months. Soon they had forgotten how to speak. They could only barely remember how to keep breathing and typing. Always typing. Tim still comes into work. The person is still typing away at the payroll computer, so he still makes his usual wages from his job. He thinks about quitting. One day he'll leave to work at another office. If he can just remember to type up a resignation letter. For now, though, he still comes into work and remembers all that he can for them. What is that? I don't know. Let me see. Uncommon Commons is an anthology horror podcast that will update on a bi-weekly basis. Well, this episode was an aberration... Most episodes will be between 10 and 20 minutes long and feature one story each. Follow us on Twitter at un underscore or contact us directly at zero null at gmail.com. That's the number zero N U L L S T R E E T at gmail.com. All inquiries must be funneled through the void before reaching us. What was that all about? What was what all about?
0: I don't remember. Oh,
1: well, couldn't have been that important. Open your letter. Oh, right.
0: Well, here goes nothing. Elise couldn't recall for how long she'd been in the hospital, with its bleak white walls and sickly sweet smell of sanitizer. She couldn't remember either, how she came to be there in the first place something about an accident she had thought something about a car accident it hurt to think it hurt to remember everything hurt actually all the time and always and the nurses never seemed to be able to do anything about it sometimes they'd slip a needle into her vein and pump morphine into her bloodstream but that never lasted long enough she couldn't even remember those blissful moments of peace So, Elise would sit and try to forget the pain in her leg and her arm and her ribs and her back. She'd succeed most times, until a shooting reminder would claw its way up her spine. At other times, she'd engage the nurses in one-sided conversation, a desperate attempt to claw information out of them. They'd dutifully answer, giving gentle but curt responses. "'Yes, you are married. Your husband's name is David. You have one daughter and two grandchildren.' One by one, each question was fired out, and one by one, a simple reply was given. One by one, Elise would forget again. Today, Elisa awoke absolutely parched, the sides of her throat rubbed together like sandpaper every time she tried to swallow. That feeling scared her, grasping at childhood fears of death by dehydration. Somewhere, at the very deepest reaches of her mind, a scene played out as grainy and distant as old film footage. A young Elisa sat in an oversized wicker chair, taking in the morning summer sun. The same feeling had hit her then, relieved only when a faceless woman had delivered a glass of water into Elisa's waiting hands. Her mother, she had thought, but her young face was lost to time. Was it just time? A searing heat spread rapidly up Eliza's body, blooming upwards from her core and creeping up her neck. That dryness scraped up her tongue and a sweat dampened her clothes where they pressed against her. Wispy, flyaway hairs clung to her forehead. Grasping at her bedside table, Eliza took a magazine and began to fan herself weakly. With her free hand, she buzzed the nurse. An empty glass sat to her left, pockmarked with light water spots. The nurse came quickly, and even so, the thought had already fled Elena's mind. Her hand had fallen limp by her side, the magazine drooping out of it. I'm so sorry, Elena had said in a fret. I, I, I know I called you in here for a reason. The nurse, Kelly or Katie or something, assured her that it was fine. It happens all the time. She really didn't mind. The sincerity in her voice was well rehearsed. She offered more morphine in attempt to decipher Elena's needs. Unfocused eyes trailed after the nurse as she rounded the corner of Eleanor's room. Once she was gone, Eleanor once again became aware of that overwhelming heat. Her hospital-issued pajamas were now sodden under her armpits and at the small of her back, wet spots now forming on the pillow behind her. Even with the rawness of her throat, she could still not for the life of her remember what she called for. A primal need clawed at the back of her mind. Water! Water! That's what it was, water! Ella reached to buzz the nurse's station again, but something gave her pause. She just called, hadn't she? That would be rude. She'd be annoying the nurse. Certainly. Certainly the nurse recognized what Ella had been asking for. Such a nice girl that nurse was. Ella didn't want to bother her again, right? No, no, she didn't need it now. It. It. What was it again? It probably didn't matter. Maybe she could ring her husband, Albert. He'd know what to do, surely. Surely. As Esther sat in an uncomfortable contemplation, a sharp pain pinched at her gut. She grunted more in surprise than anything and clutched a sweaty palm to her stomach. The sudden pinch melted into an ache, not unlike the kind one feels when suffering food poisoning. Had Esther ever had food poisoning? She must have. Everyone has food poisoning at some point. The pain throbbed in the pit of her stomach, and with it came a longing for painkillers. Was it morphine? Esther's finger once again reached for the buzzer, but still she hesitated. She had just called the nurse, about something else. Yes, she she was certain of that. It had only been a few minutes ago. She was certain of that, too. Or had it been an hour now? Time felt foggy, and thinking about it too hard gave Esther a migraine. She needed those painkillers, and... A glass of water, that was it. She was so thirsty, and her stomach hurt so badly. Would the nurse really mind if Esther called her again? She had offered, hadn't she? Esther thought so, but now she wasn't so sure. Maybe she could just wait for the nurse to come by. She could see her passing by the door. She could call for her when she saw her, and tell the nurse what she needed. It seemed like a good idea but Esther realized that she couldn't recall what the young woman looked like. The pain still sunk its teeth into the bottom of her stomach. Dry flesh still scraped itself against the back of her throat. Tired eyes still watched the hallway in a daze, hoping for a spark of recognition for the blank, empty faces that passed by her open door. Men and women passed by at what seemed to Emily to be a painfully slow pace. Their faces were blurred, as the faces in her memory— one indistinguishable from the next. Blood rushed in her ears, heart pounding at an unsteady rate. Where had her nurse gone? It had been hours. Surely she could call now, right? Emily fumbled for the buzzer. Her clammy fingers grasped at empty, damp sheets. Where had it gone? Where had the buzzer gone? How was she to call the nurse? Emily's heart beat so fast now, or had it slowed down? She could feel it thrumming away in her chest, but her pulse felt slow, horribly slow. Everything hurt now, the pain having snaked its way from her stomach and mixing with already present soreness in her bones. Her muscles ached. Distantly, Emily became aware of the rapid beeping of the monitor beside her bed. Her heart creeped up her throat. The clack of solid shoes against linoleum echoed down the hall. Where were the nurses? Edna thought hazily. Where was... Where was anyone? She lay alone in her room, vision smeared like Vaseline in her periphery. It was empty, utterly empty, aside from her, and her only companion was that aggressive tone from the monitor. The room around her was terribly barren, and it only succeeded in feeding into Edna's rising heart rate. Where was she? This couldn't possibly be her house. It was far too sterile to be a home. How did she get here? Ellie didn't know. It looked like a hospital why would she be in a hospital? Was she sick? Was she the victim of some accident? Her heart pummeled away in her chest, feeling like it could burst out at any moment. She needed a nurse. Surely there was one close by that could help her. Even beyond the pounding blood in her ears, she could hear sprinting footsteps. Was, was someone coming to help her? Her chest ached, ragged breaths barely squeezing out. In a moment of panic, she called out as loud as she could manage. The strangled cry barely broke the threshold of the door. Edith patted desperately around the sheets beside her. Where had that buzzer gone? The nurses were taking so long, she needed help now. White closed in at the edges of her vision. She missed home. She missed her kids. She had kids, didn't she? One in college, right? Where were they? Where was anyone? She needed help. Something was wrong and she didn't know what her chest tightened painfully, and a shaking hand rose to sloppily grip at her shirt. The footsteps were closer now, Edith thought, or maybe they'd gone past her. She couldn't tell. Her vision was all but gone now, blurred and foggy as though she'd lost her glasses. Nothing felt right. Her bed was alien to her. Her mind felt alien as well, and in her panicked haze she realized that she did not know who she was. What was her name? She must have had one, but right now all she could remember is her fear. It began with an E. It began with an E, right? Her name began with an E. Where was her family? Why was she alone? E did not know. A phantom hand squeezed her heart hard, seizing her body and choking a whimper out of her parched throat. Her hand dropped limply by her side heart and monitor beat in unison, faster and ever faster. A woman who did not know her name wheezed out a shaky sigh, her heart squeezing viciously again. Distantly, and through the panic, the woman ached for familiarity, for company, for comfort. A shadow wheeled around the corner of her door, though she didn't see it. Beside her, the monitor was blaring incomprehensibly. The pain gripped hard at the nameless woman's heart, giving one last long crush. Then, she flatlined. It was several hours later, when the body had long been growing cold in a cramped morgue cubby, that the nurse began to clean the vacant room. The only testament to its prior occupant, aside from the rumpled sheets, was a plain framed picture. A smiling family beamed out at the camera, and in the middle stood the room's former tenant. Nurse Kathy took it in hand, lips pressed into a tight line. Alzheimer's is one vicious disease, she murmured to herself. Poor Mary.
1: Oh, it uh, just occurred to me. We uh, haven't been properly introduced. I'm. John. And I'm. Jane. Charmed. I'm sure.
0: Thank you for staying with us at the Uncommon Commons. All residents, please remember that the common areas are off limits from to and to return to your apartments by a clock sharp. Thank you and have a wonderful eternity. Huh. I think that's our cue. Well,
1: same time tomorrow? Uncommon Commons is a podcast. It was written and recorded by Alex Vitale and George Plank. Our theme song was written by Charles Adam Robinson. You can contact us on Twitter at un or via email at 0 street at gmail.com. Like and review us on iTunes. Stay, and remember, nothing is real.